I'm always shocked when someone says that. I'm always shocked when someone says that. When I talk to you. I'm always like, why are we in trouble? What's the matter? Hi, gentlemen. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you? Great. Not too bad. Very excited to talk to you guys. Oh, likewise. <laughs> I'm always shocked when someone says that. I'm always shocked when someone says that. When I talk to you. I'm always like, why are we in trouble? What's the matter? <laughs> what did we do? How did yeah, we go yeah. about it? <laughs> Just always you never waiting. grow out of that. You always feel yeah. like you're in sixth grade. Yeah. yeah. I was waiting to be reprimanded by eventually. Yeah. <laughs> you have now been summoned to the principal's office. It yeah. feels that way. Um, but with that being said, the first question I have before we dive into the film, what was your guys' first job in the movie and TV industry? Oh, man. Um, what was it? Uh, I was a production assistant on Benjamin Button. Uh, in New Orleans because David was staying at a property that my brother rented and um, he said there's a director in town would you want to come and like hang out and I could see if I could get you a job on set and it turned out to be my favorite director of all time still is um, and I got to work on that set as like a set contact and production assistant for a week and a half and it was just a dream. I think my first like real steady gig was I was a background actor on Glee uh, when I came out because uh, I mean like uh, yeah I was just like a high school kid walking the hallways for, like every, every day for a while while they were shooting Glee and it was great because I would just read books like you just look like you're a student and so it was the most reading I ever did in my life those days <laughs> just walking in the background <laughs> for 12 hours I read so many books on that set it was it was great. <laughs> So for me, the story obviously follows a, uh, a married Hollywood agent kind of wraps himself up in the world of lying, murdering, and infidelity. What kind of inspired this story from you guys? Uh, it was a bit of a cautionary tale. We wanted to, to make something about lying and cheating and about talent agencies. And so we made it about this letter service that would be this visual metaphor for um, lying and cheating. And then what kind of person it would attract if it landed in their mailbox. And then PJ did all this research about how you'd actually connect people through this illicit love affair um, envelope service and big data and how you would like scrape uh, people's social media profiles to then connect them to people who might like each other and then charge them uh, for the service. Uh, and then it became about you know, the agency war fighting against the internet, basically, where, you know, what's the point of having people that are paid to connect you with people if you can connect with them through Instagram. Um, and so it kind of became this perfect storm of watching a guy be super stressed at the end of 2019. And those are my favorite kind of movies. So uh, we got to fuse it together all into this one like uncut gems style story um, and watch this guy have a nervous breakdown in public. And uh, I love those kinds of movies. The opening of the film kind of starts with this unique bang. Cause when you look at the outside of it, you're like, <laughs> okay, this is the, so you're kind of expecting maybe it starts a little bit. No, it comes out and just knocks your teeth out. Kind of take me behind <laughs> the idea. Uh, of that 
Yeah, well, Zodiac does it worse, I think. Uh, and so it, it's it's funny, really. Like, we have to do that as a prerequisite of like, if you've seen Suspiria, Suspiria is worse. Like, there is a crazy opening that. Um, so like, I we love that stuff. We we based um, a lot of the writing and the soundtrack off of Giallo films uh, like Suspiria or Bird with the Crystal Plumage or Cat of Nine Tails, and like it was all of this kind of harpsichord fun stuff. So anytime that we were writing it, we were listening to Bruno Nicolai and just like thinking about big horror uh, and like shocking an audience and then keeping their attention throughout the movie. And that was the goal. Like Zodiac has a very similar murder narrative structure where the movie opens with like introducing two characters in the relationship, violent murder happens. And then there are murders populating the rest of the film almost every 20 minutes, um, sometimes sooner. Uh, and that kind of keeps the audience on their toes. And it's a fun narrative break that also is a pressure cooker and a ticking clock for the main characters who are trying to find out who the bad guys are. Um, and that was just a, a great detective engine for us that we stole and made our movie, a comedy. It also was kind of setting up, uh, hopefully the audience assumed like this is going to be Jordan's fate at some point. Yeah. And so yeah. kind of setting up the fact that all through the movie you're like, yeah, this, I mean, this guy's obviously going to get it, right? <laughs> I mean, like, that's what we're building yeah. to. Like, yeah. you want to see this idiot, this psycho just get brutally murdered. Get stabbed in the neck with a pair of yeah. scissors. Yeah. yeah, so it's kind of setting that up. You both co-wrote, co-directed, co-starred, and I, I didn't check this, but I'm sure produced as well. What kind, of, what kind of made you guys want to do all three, four of those things? And what were some of the hurdles you faced wearing so many hats? Yeah, it's really easy to do a lot of jobs when you don't have any money. Um, and so really it was a product of like making low budget movies that you have to do all of these things. Like I, I don't have a huge passion for visual effects and after effects, but I had to learn it to paint out shit that shouldn't be in the frame, like water bottles and stuff like that. So, um, so legitimately it was just a product of how we make movies on such a small scale. Um, but no, when, when you're doing all three at once, it can be incredibly fulfilling because it feels like summer camp. You're, you're you know, encouraging your friends to come on and make this stupid bullshit with you. It's a big inside joke against Hollywood. And when you get the shot and you, the scene is done, it feels like a touchdown. It feels like the entire team has scored a touchdown in such a real and fun way. Um, and so it's incredibly fulfilling doing all of those at once. Yeah, it's weird. I never, I mean, I know we were directing, but a lot of the time it, it didn't feel like, it, it kind of felt like everyone was directing. It was just like such yeah. a team effort for this one. And everyone was just stepping up and doing whatever needed to be done to get the shot or get it set up or, uh, or you know, uh, you know, putting in their input. And um, yeah, it was just fun. I mean, it was nice to have such a tight knit crew that everyone knew each other from other projects. And I think it made it incredibly smooth. Uh, Jim, the subject touches on a lot of reality in this Hollywood space. Did you fear or were you worried about any backlash that might come with this? What, are we going to get into trouble? Fuck. <laughs> no. No, I wasn't worried. I mean, I was nervous a bit, but there's a scene that we wrote where this Chinese media mogul kind of corners me at a party and then says all this mean shit that is very true about the nature of the industry and the job that my character has. And PJ and I were going back and forth in the writing of that, of how mean should he be and how honest should he be? What should, we now have the world's attention. What do we want to say about the world of agencies? Um, and 
I was like, I don't, this is really mean. I don't know if this is okay. But then I was like, but it's also kind of important. And it's kind of the, like, he has to get the shit kicked out of him uh, in order to then go and do this affair because he feels so inadequate in his job. Um, and so we were writing it in and about two weeks out before we shot, maybe a month out before we shot, um, I said, uh, uh, can we say that? Is that okay? I think I'm gonna be really mean. And PJ goes, burn it down. Like, absolutely, let's do it, absolutely. And then we just became like Trey Parker and Matt Stone, encouraging each other to do worse stuff in the movie. And I'm so glad that we did. Now looking back, it feels tame. And it's like, I think, I think we'll be celebrated. I think the film will actually be celebrated in Hollywood in this weird, you know, bizarre schadenfreude kind of way, this uh, Stockholm syndrome thing of like, we've kidnapped you and you're saying how great we did of making fun of you it's insane yeah i i i think we had to go all the way otherwise it wouldn't have been as compelling for the character you wouldn't have cared as much the stakes wouldn't have been high enough and yeah i don't know i'm not as worried anymore i don't know i think enough people will get it it's a joke yeah people are, i mean it's a comedy about face sitting like i, I mean, mean how serious a, can hollywood take it you know movie. like everyone relax it'll be fine I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, uh, what comes out tomorrow. So I guess Ricky will we'll, let you know. Yeah, we'll find out soon. <laughs> PJ, to, to you, question. So this film touches on a very serious tone, but also has that comedy, but also has some interesting, uh, gory kind of sequence. How is it like balancing that in the writer's room? I mean, a lot of the tone blending that we do, that people talk about, a lot of that comes from obviously doing it out loud when we're writing it um but really the biggest thing we do is uh recording it as a podcast i mean jim will go uh, into a closet in his in his house and go record the whole thing start to finish and read it out loud and it is so incredibly helpful to hear it because you can tell when it's working and you can tell when it isn't you can tell when the movie's dragging or you know when you need to punch up some jokes or if yeah if things just if things are slow and if the tone just if the tone blending that we do isn't working and so doing it as yeah. a podcast is one of the most helpful things uh, you could possibly do also helps everyone else who's coming to make the movie because they get what you're trying to do on the day when you're shooting and it's free it's something that you can do with a voice memo app on your phone. Like I, I'm so surprised when I find out that other filmmakers wait until they show up on set to see if the film is gonna work. That's one thing that I typically try to do now. Like I, I see a lot of movies, but I use my voice memo. Like obviously you can't write yeah. as soon as you see it. Sometimes when you hit a theater, I'll leave the theater and just drop it right into my voice memo. Yep. When I get home, yeah. then I can start preparing, write my review, et cetera, like that. It's it's not something I learned right away, but I agree with you. It's it's something that's very useful. Yeah, well, we, I, you feel so stupid for doing it or that you're cheating somehow because you've never heard anybody else do it. And I was nervous. I, we wrote the Thunder Road feature that same way of like doing it out loud and then like changing the podcast and making it work. And then six months after the movie came out, somebody sent me this clip of Bruce Springsteen talking about how he recorded his first few albums. And he had this like shitty tape deck where you'd press play and record at the same time. And he would record Frankenstein versions of his songs and he was he would go back to like one part he's like that nah, part sucks and then he'll just like press it again and then start doing it and i was like of course that's how anyway it's using this technology to become a better artist or to ensure that you're not wasting time in the studio that's so expensive to rent like it, it's wonderful that people have this ability to do and i don't know why they aren't doing it more often jim when i look at your filmography i i see a guy that's willing to take a risk and and <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah good so 
when you do, where did that kind of come from within you? I'm, I'm a very, what is the Daniel Plainview line? I have a competition in me. Um, but I think <laughs> yeah. I do. I, uh, I think I have that. There's this weird ambition to want to impress people. And at the time that I was growing up, I was watching movies like Fight Club and The Matrix and The Royal Tenenbaums and super impressive, well-crafted movies. 1999, 1995 were amazing years for cinema. 2001 as well. Um, and so those were all my influences that that was the high watermark that you had to beat. You have to be beat these movies. And then when I was in Hollywood in 2014, it was just a bunch of cheesy, not cool, poorly crafted, um, lame, tame, sanitized movies. And it, that kind of anger that I had every time I was leaving the cinema became ambition again. I was a bit of a slacker in high school as a you know, film nerd. Um, but then it was like, no, somebody's got to do this. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I mean, people are wasting their time watching these things. We should be giving them something cool. And then meeting PJ, he was like, I agree. Let's fucking <laughs> do something cool. Um, I love Fight Club. Um, and then, uh, and then that became our careers was just kind of providing um, you know, cool shit to people who felt like it was absent from the cinemas. PJ, to you, what advice would you give to aspiring filmmakers right now? Uh, don't be afraid. I just, I was so scared to do anything other than acting because that's all I knew. I had always like written stuff on my own on the side, but I was always too shared, scared to share it with anybody. I was, I'd I was always way too intimidated to ever try to direct anything, uh, much less write something. And so yeah, don't be afraid to wear different hats and do stuff. I mean, like, yeah, you can learn about camera. You can learn about these aspects of filmmaking that seem, um, you know, that's, that are intimidating. I mean, you just have to start doing it. Uh, and also don't be afraid to tell weird, funny stories. I think a lot of people also kind of, you know, try to make their content more based on what they think will sell. But I think a lot of times that's, that's stuff that's not good that audiences don't want. I think there's a hunger for unique, weird voices that aren't necessarily the mainstream that you're going to see. Uh, that studios and networks are buying. Jim, last question here to you. I love your passion for independent filmmaking. I, I love that you're very vocal about it because for me personally, it's very important to me as well. I feel like it's the backbone <laughs> of this industry. Yep. What makes independent films so important to you outside of just because you make them? I mean, independent films have changed my life. To, to see Cretia, Trey Edward Schultz's first feature, arguably second feature, um, at South by Southwest and uh, and to be deeply moved by, I cried for two hours and walked around the river in Austin, Texas um, and called my brother. And, you know, it, it, was, it was just like a lot of deeply resonant stuff that you don't get from sanitized studio filmmaking. Um, and that's the movie that got me off the couch. Like, and to see movies for the last, you know, 50 years that have been doing similar stuff. Cassavetes has been doing similar stuff to move people in ways that the studios never could. Um, I don't know. I think independent film is so important to provide ammunition to people who are going through hell. And um, that is such a, a wonderful cause. And um, I, I feel like it's just, it's not possible to do that with shareholders and with, um, you know, with more money involved. It, it takes independent filmmakers doing it to, to move the needle. I just wanted to thank you guys so much for your time today. It's been a great pleasure talking to both of you guys. Uh, I, like I said, I mean, I love independent filmmaking, so I love the unique take that you bring to the world. So thank you guys so much. Thank you so much for having us. It was our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're now adjourned from the principal's office, gentlemen. Okay, thank heavens. <laughs> thank you. And we didn't get in trouble. It was yeah. the best ever. <laughs> See you guys. Thank you, All man. Right. All right.